The COVID-19 pandemic has thrown the world of work into its worst crisis since the end of World War II. The number of people worldwide who are unemployed or being forced into poverty as a result of the economic impact of the pandemic is alarming. The ILO's fourth monitoring report on the impact of the pandemic on the world of work puts the situation into sharp contrast. It is estimated that hundreds of millions of jobs will be lost worldwide and millions of enterprises will close or fail. Here's ILO Director General Guy Ryder on the crisis. On the basis of a, a calculation of the reduction in hours actually being worked in the world, uh, the loss uh, is the equivalent of 305 million full-time um, employment posts. That is the same figure that we gave you uh, in the third monitor, although we've arrived at that figure on a slightly different basis because the actual reduction in working hours uh, is now estimated at 10.7%, previously 10.5%, but we've also had to adjust for um, uh, the baseline figure, which has now moved. So the uh, overall figure is still at 305 million. The result is that the world of work, as well as hopeful initiatives such as the UN Social Development Goals, are now facing new daunting challenges. Today we're talking to Sanjian Lee, Director of the ILO Department that guides ILO action for promoting full and productive employment policies on the situation as it stands and how to get from the new normal to a better normal. At this stage, into the second quarter of 2020, what do we know about the pandemic's impact on the world of work, and what are the trends? Um, the, the pandemic continues to severely affect the public health and also cause an unprecedented disruptions to economies and the labor market. They compared to the pre-crisis situation, let's say the first quarter of last year, global working hours declines in the first quarter by estimated 4.8%. This is equivalent to approximately 135 million full-time jobs if we assume a 48 hours working week. In the second quarter of this year, the global working hours are expected to shrink further. And we estimate that the they will be 10.7% uh, lower than in the previous, actually, uh, the pre-crisis quarter. This is the equivalent to 305 million full-time jobs. So when we actually estimate the first time, actually in April, early April, it was 195 million. So the labor market situation overall has deteriorated significantly in May and in uh, in April and May. This has been driven mainly by the prolongation and also extension of the containment measures. And importantly, enterprises are also at risk. Hundreds of millions of enterprises in the hardest hit sectors worldwide are currently facing high risk of the serious disruption. So what is the impact on the most vulnerable of workers? Among the most vulnerable in the labor market and almost 1.6 billion informal economy workers are significantly impacted by lockdown measures and or working in the hardest hit sectors. It's not very easy to know exactly what's happening to these workers in terms of jobs and incomes, but we estimate that in the very first month of crisis, the earnings of informal workers would decline by 60% globally. 
And not surprisingly, the inequality is likely to widen further. So um, is there anecdotal evidence so far that women are particularly at risk? Can you elaborate on that? Certainly. Uh, that is exactly one of the, our major concerns. So let's consider as informal economy workers are significantly impacted by the crisis. There we know that women are overrepresented in high-risk sectors. For example, 42% of women workers are working in those sectors compared to 32% of men. However, this actually disproportionate impacts on women take a number of forms. In addition to job losses, as I just mentioned, the access to online training and learning platform isn't always the result in equal quality learnings. Women, for example, are being disproportionately cut off from the distant learning due to the lack of childcare or home help during the pandemic. So what has been the global response to these challenges so far? As you know very well, the pandemic has been evolving, so do uh, the, the policy measures to tackle it as well. And immediate support is needed for enterprises and workers around the world on an unprecedented scale across all pillars of the ILO policy framework. Our policy framework includes four uh, pillars. The first, the stimulating economy and employment, especially through active fiscal and monetary policies. Second, supporting enterprises and jobs and income. Third, protecting workers in the workplaces, especially from the occupational safety and health risk. The last, not least, relying on social dialogue for solution. We stress the importance of taking actions for vulnerable groups. For instance, we highlight the urgency of policy actions to protect both enterprises, particularly small businesses, and workers, especially when operating and working in the informal economy. And most recently, we have also analyzed the devastating situation for young people. The guided by the ILO policy framework, effective policy measures need to be developed very quickly for this group, which actually represents the future of the world of work. So uh, can you highlight some of these further? And one thing actually this pandemic has done is to bring to the surface the underlying vulnerabilities of the working people in current arrangement. As I said, support the business and jobs to target the most vulnerable in order to mitigate economic and social consequences of the confinement period has become very, very urgent. This applies especially to workers in, in the informal economy and women and youth. In terms of gender impact, for example, uh, jobs and sectors in which, in which women are traditionally employed are extremely vulnerable, as women are often more adversely affected by uh, than men. Youth are also at the higher risk than ever. Uh, even before the pandemic, young people already faced an increasingly uncertain future in the labor market because of automation, or the inefficiency of the much uh, vocational training and the lack of jobs to match their qualification. Young women are more than twice as likely as young men to be affected. So we have to remember here, 267 million young people are already not in employment, education, and training. These are the so-called need. 
So massive job losses and difficulties with the access to decent learning will only making this matter worse. So do you have any, any further findings about the current uh, the generation of youth? And can you expand a little bit on um, the impact on young people? Uh, this is exactly why we actually did uh, the new global survey. And actually our uh, new global survey actually confirms the risk is very high and situation for young people are really devastating. For example, in our survey, around 17 of young people have stopped working since the pandemic. And those who actually managed to keep the jobs haven't seen their working hours decline by more than 20%. So if we consider this multiple shocks on young people and also consider that these negative impacts will stay with these people throughout their lives, that's what actually experts call the scarring effects then there is indeed a serious risk that the lockdown generation may emerge from this crisis unless the urgent policy actions are taken. This is why we believe the measures for economic reactivation should follow a job-rich approach supported by stronger employment policies and institutions, better resources, and also the comprehensive social protection systems. So uh, what more can we do? What sort of policies do you recommend? And as our Director General Guy Ryder has uh, stated uh, many times, for millions of workers, no income means no food and no security and no future. And millions of businesses around the world are barely surviving at the moment. They have no saving or access to credit. If we don't help them now, this enterprise will simply disappear. And international coordination on stimulus packages and debt relief measures for different countries which lack resources for stimulus packages will be really, really critical to an effective and sustainable recovery. International labor standards, which already enjoy tripartite consensus, can provide a good framework for policy development. We must also need to accept that the office and workplace, as we have known it, will change and in some cases disappear. What is more, the way we work and the way we acquire skills necessary for work will also be different now and post-crisis. Well, that's a very good point. Uh, and uh, how, how will this manifest in terms of changes in uh, acquiring skills, changes in the workplace and acquiring skills that are needed to work in this new normal uh, labor market? Uh, that, that's a very important question. So we will need, need to tackle very quickly. Uh, first of all, the, the teleworking in our area of work has already replaced our traditional workplace and will be a reality for us for some time to come. Many enterprises have already adapted to this by sending their employees to work from home, in some cases indefinitely. However, this assumes that the, we have the technologies and also access to the ITC to do this, which is often not the case for many people. The existing training model as we know it will also change and while the, there may be some uh, return to the old normal as we adapted to crisis, but the so-called new normal will likely affect the immediate and future careers of the millions of the learners. So we can safely say that nothing in the world of the online distance learning 
will be the same again. But having said this, there is no guarantee that this new normal will bring good things for all of us. In other words, new is not enough. It has to be better. So therefore, it's crucial to make sure that the, this is the, a better normal, not just a new normal. That's very good, actually. I think that puts it very well. A uh, better normal is, is uh, needed. Um, so what sort of guidance is the ILO offering now? I think I have, I have already mentioned the ILO policy framework with the four policy periods. Actually, let me add a few more points about how these policies can be implemented in practice. As I said, I mean, international coordination on stimulus packages is once again, it's so crucial uh, in making the global recovery more effective and sustainable. As I said, we need effective responses, which require speed and flexibilities. So governments need to continue to expedite assistance to business and workers and simplify the procedures for support. The policies need to focus on the providing income support for both business and workers to maintain their economic activities and with a special attention to those uh, who are at the greater risk of the business failure, and also to the self-employed and the workers who are more likely to fall into long-term unemployment or underemployment. So tailored responses are needed to reach and support small businesses through combined measures of direct financial support and loan guarantees to avoid burdening firms with too much debt. Such support can also be designed to encourage firms to retain workers to make sure the both workers and uh, the enterprise to benefit from this support. I also want to emphasize again that income support for workers and enterprise, enterprises operating in the informal e economy is crucial in preventing them from plunging far deeper into poverty. So finally, um, as countries begin to reopen their economies, what considerations uh, will uh, have to be made to get to this better normal? There are, there are so many actually to do, but actually let me uh, pick up uh, a couple of very important points. The first actually in the reactivation phase, a policy should target the provision of the timely information about the status of the containment measures and access strategy. So information is important. And the exit from the containment should take advantage of the social dialogue to ensure that the reopening of the workplace occurs with safeguard for the safety of the workers and consumers. And looking at longer term and boosting investment is key, especially in the strategic sectors such as health and care and green and digital technologies large public investment will be needed to boost investment and also uh, boost uh, private investment. Sang-Jean Lee, thank you very much for that very, very interesting overview. What is clear is that the vulnerable, be they enterprises or individuals, can't wait. We will have to develop new policy approaches quickly. In order for us to address these challenges, it's more important than ever for governments, employers, and workers to come together to develop human-centered solutions, especially for the most vulnerable. The crisis has posed the most significant challenge in modern times to our ability to formulate policies and responses, but also has provided us with an opportunity to adapt and innovate to address its challenges. 
I am Tom Netter, and this is the new ILO podcast series, Global Challenges, Global Solutions, COVID-19, and the Employment Policy Response. Thank you for your time.